0: I did not give John that introduction. He got it off the Internet. So, uh, well, thank you, John, for that introduction. Uh, <clears throat> we had a little prayer time before meeting this morning, and John was talking about going to a certain store to get certain items of food, and he really liked these shell things this, this And we thought it was, all, it was fish that he liked. It was stuffed shells that he liked. so. Uh, Thank you for that. We're going to pray together, and then we'll begin the word. Father, we thank you for this day that has been given to us, a time that we can gather in the name that is above every other name, the name to which all authority has been given in heaven and earth, and we have been given the task of going into all the world and preaching the gospel. We thank you for those who have gone to China, to Africa, to South America, to other parts Lord, we pray for them today that there would be a blessing, an anointing, that you would raise up a new generation who would go into all the world. And Lord, we thank you that we have a world here as well in Exodus County and surrounding areas. And we pray that this church would have an influence for the gospel of Jesus Christ in these hours. We pray, Father, too, this morning for Pastor Dan and for Linda, that you would be with them, that you would be their portion this morning, that they might sense your divine presence, your healing and that they might have the wisdom that they need driving them forward. And Father, as we think of the world this morning, we think of the unrest that we see in Ukraine and other parts of the world. And we pray, Father, for your peace, for your healing, for your plan and for your purpose. And most of all, that your kingdom be accomplished, that your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's always a privilege to be able to minister the Word of God. I do want to add the greetings to all mothers here this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness as mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and those who have taught children and mentored children and modeled for children and continue to love uh, as only a mother can do, a mother's heart can do. So thank you for that this morning. I suspect some members of uh, Time were singing yesterday the little... Children's nursery rhyme. Rain, rain, go away. They were due to go on a trip to uh, Turtleback Zoo yesterday, but they were rained out. But this morning we have another bright, beautiful morning. We thank the Lord for that. But I'd like you to stand for the reading of God's word from 1 Kings chapter 17. In reference for the word... And Elijah the Tishbite, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to King Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And the word of the Lord came to him next, saying, Get away from here, turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be there that you shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And so Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and stayed by the brook Careth, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. You may be seated. most of us have heard of Charles Dickens' novel A Tale of Two Cities Now, whether or not you've read it, you've likely heard that famous quote it was the best of times, it was the worst of times the same thing could be said to the Israelites during the reign of Ahab Ahab had recently become the seventh king of Israel from a secular point of view Ahab was successful as a king. He consolidated and expanded his father's kingdom and achievements. His reign was a time of power, of prominence, of economic prosperity. And so from a secular point of view, it was the best of times. However, the Bible presents a different picture. All the recent kings of Israel were evil. But if you go back to chapter 16 of 1 Kings, you'll read that Ahab was the most evil. According to the biblical writer, Ahab did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He also married Jezebel. And he began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple. And Ahab made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all of the kings before him. And so from a spiritual viewpoint, it was the worst of times. The people were drinking in iniquity like uh, water. Their light had become darkness. The salt had lost its savor. People were saying what was good was evil, and what was evil is good. Sound familiar? Much like today. Such were the awful times. Such was the state of affairs when Elijah, the man of God, stood up. The kingdom of Ahab and Jezebel is a dark field of labor upon which Elijah enters in the name of the living God. But all of a sudden, the whole scene changes with the words, and Elijah the Tishbite said to Ahab, in the midst of this awful night, he stands forth in the middle of desolation, but not without his God. It was the best of times, but it was the worst of times. We live in a culture today, I think, that follows four narratives. One narrative is identity. I have the right to say who I am. If you're a little girl and you want to be a little boy, that's okay. If you want to be a communion table, that's okay. You can be what you want to be. The narrative of identity. I say who I am. The second narrative we follow today is the narrative of freedom. I can do what I want to do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody too much. Morality is the third narrative. I get to decide what's right. I get to decide what's wrong. And then the fourth narrative that we follow today is science, technology and government. They can fix everything. If we have a problem, science can fix it. Technology can fix it. The government can fix it. We stand against much of the culture of our age. But to do so effectively, we need to stand upon the Word of God. Too often we measure ourselves by ourselves. And say, hey, we're not doing so bad, are we? Rather than measuring ourselves by the Word of God. At any given moment, it's not what I think or what I feel about anything. Whether it's my family, the church, the community, the government, the world situation. It's not what I think or feel. It's what does God's Word say. And I just want to drive that back to us this morning. What does his word say? Elisha the Tishbite was a man mighty in word, mighty indeed, And he broke forth like fire upon the scene. His word burnt like a torch. He was so eminently distinguished by divine grace that when John the Baptist came, they said, It's Elijah. When the Lord of glory appeared on earth, the Jews said, It's Elijah. When Jesus was upon the cross, they said, Let's see if Elijah comes and rescues him. Elijah is mentioned 28 times in the New Testament. And to the question, Where is the God of Elijah today? the answer is the same as it was 3,000 years ago. He's still upon his throne. We have a little grandson who's a little over three years old, and every day, He says, Gaga, that's me, Gaga, where's Jesus? And we say, he's in heaven, he's reigning, but he's here on earth, and he could be in our lives. He hasn't changed, he hasn't moved, God is still upon his throne, reigning as king of kings and lord of lords. But this morning I ask you the question, where are the Elijah's of God? Where are the men and women of faith who will stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. This is God's standard. It's not my word. It's not because I'm better. It's because this is what his word says. And I stand upon his word. Out of obscurity, Elijah appears upon the stage. God raised up a man. And I speak say man, I mean men and women this morning. A man of like nature. And this morning, God is still looking for men to stand in the gap. You see, Elijah knew the mind of God. He had the key, the word of God. And he locked the heavens for three and a half years, and he pocketed the key. It's a wonderful thing when God lays hold of a man. But I think it's even more wonderful when a man lays hold of God. Think of Jacob wrestling, I will not let you go until you bless me. We just had a, day, a national day of prayer. And at the college, we did it virtually this year. Last year, we had over 500 people join us online. We need to pray, not just once a year. We need to be a praying people and a praying people who will not let God go until we get the blessing, until we call his answer down, whatever it might be. For our nation, for our lives, for this church, whatever His need, whatever the need might be, I will not let thee go until you bless me." I think much of our praying is, God, if you want to do it, fine. I'll pray, and then I'll go on my merry way, if you please. Wrestling with God. God's methods invariably involve men. What kind of man does God use and choose? Often, God's choice is diametrically opposed to ours. We choose on the basis of what a man is. God chooses on the basis of what he can become. God does not always call the equipped, but let me tell you, God always equips those he calls. God does not always call the equipped, but he will equip those he calls. The scriptures abound with biographical information, Abraham and Moses and Joseph and David and, and Elijah, for you see the Holy Spirit teaches truth through these lives. He teaches truth in terms of life and 1 Kings 17, 1, And Elijah the Tish, Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these leave, these years, but according to my word. And thus begins the brief record of the prophet of Elijah, abruptly setting us in the middle of his life. At the first mention of this man, we see a whole man, Just appearing in sight. And he's there and he appears before King Ahab. How he got past security, I have no idea. But he got there and he stood before Ahab and proclaimed the message. And for us to understand this man, Elijah, we need to understand the times in which he lived. The nation of Israel was in a downward spiral. And I suspect if I took a poll this morning, most of you would say our nation is in a downward spiral, in many ways, especially morally. The nation of Israel was downwardly spiraling, and yet we find out later on there are 7,000 hiding out in caves, 7,000 wringing their hands, saying, Oh, this is terrible, this is terrible. We don't know what to do, but we don't want to get involved. We're just going to stay here as our little holy huddle, living in a society that is permeated with the mania of mediocrity, you see, following Christ is costly. Elijah was a prophet, a prophet who walked alone. Few people wanted to walk with him. The same is true today of those who walk with the Lord. They often humanly have to walk alone. It wasn't convenient. It wasn't comfortable then. It isn't convenient today, and it won't be comfortable to take a stand for God in this generation. (laughs) So what makes him so effective in communicating with his generation? Let's begin with his name. Names in the Bible were very important. They teach us something. They carry a life lesson. Elijah being interpreted as Jehovah is my strength. What an excellent name. And indeed he bore that name in truth. And yet the Bible tells us over in James chapter 5, Elijah was a man of like nature he's just like us so i don't want to exalt elijah too much this morning but he's a man who was obedient to god who was clothed with power and authority and knew that god himself was his strength he owned his greatness not to high birth or station or native place of renown he was born from the text that we see in gilead and many of you remember the song there is a bomb b-a-l-m i used to think it was b-o-m-b <laughs> There is a bomb in Gilead. It was known for its healing bombs and spices, but the area of Gilead was mostly inhabited by idolaters. He didn't grow up in a particularly spiritual neighborhood, if you please. He grew up in Tishbe, an obscure village in the mountains. He probably didn't know much of schooling, but one thing he knew was the Word of God. You see, our worth this morning is not where we came from, it's not our family heritage. It's not the school we went to. Our worth is in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. If you're in Christ this morning, you should be saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. My worth is because I'm a believer in Christ, because He redeemed me. It's not my job, it's not my possessions, it's not my income, it's not my past, but being in Christ alone. He knew the Word of God. He knew Verses that like we find over in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Let me read them to you this morning. And it shall be, if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, I will give you rain, early and latter rain. And you may gather your grain and new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields that you may eat and be filled Verse 16, take heed to yourselves lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you and He shut up the heavens so that there be no rain and the yield of the land will produce nothing and you will perish from the good land. If you obey the Lord, God's going to bless you. He's going to bless your land. You're going to have rain. If you disobey Him, The word to the Israelites was he would shut up the heavens. Elijah understood the word of God. James 5 tells us he prayed earnestly. He prayed fervently. That word is to the boiling point. Again, it's that earnestness in prayer. He prayed prayers framed for the ears of God. Not for others to hear, but for God to hear. His prayer was based upon the word of God. And it's literally there in James chapter 5. He prayed prayer. We need right thinking about God. Spiritual awakening here can be costly. Elijah enters on the stage with a word of faith and power. And he simply stands before the Lord our God, who is a living God. We just celebrated Easter a few weeks ago. We sing, our God reigns. We say, he's alive. He is a living God. Baal was dead. They were worshiping Baal, a dead God. We have a living God, a living Savior. That should send us forth from this place into a new week to go into the world proclaiming the gospel. I had an opportunity to speak to our our board of trustees about two weeks ago. We have 20 trustees at the college And my theme was going into all the world. Jesus said, all authority is given to me. As you go into the world, preach the gospel. As you go. As you go into the world this afternoon. As you go into the world this coming week. Let's proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Elijah was a man reconciled to God. And he said, before whom I stand... Look at the clock this morning, we'll see how far we get with this message. Uh, but Elijah in public is, was my first point. And under that, the first point is, Elijah was convinced of the reality of God. He was convinced that his God was real. And Elijah said, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, his God was a God who was alive. I stand before the Lord. I desire above all things that His will, His plan, His purpose, be manifest in me, that I might do nothing from moment to moment, but what shall please Him and promote His glory, convinced of the reality of His God. Ahab and Jezebel thought they had the last word. They thought they were winning the culture wars, if you please. But they made a serious miscalculation. They forgot a praying man. A man who is aware of the aliveness of God. As you wake up in the morning, do you realize that God is alive? Morning by morning, what new mercies I see. He provides the mercies. He is a God who is alive. We're here, as, as we're reminded each Sunday, this is a resurrection day. We are people of the resurrection of the life. Jesus' resurrection and pointing forward to our resurrection one day. Christianity is the only religion that revolutionizes people. You cannot change society until you change the individual. And Elijah could stand before Ahab because he first stood before the Lord. You can stand before anything in your life. You can stand before anybody. You can stand before any circumstance if you know that your God is alive. He will be there. He will take, take you through it. He will be. His presence will be there. And God will get us into a place where he can use us. Jude reminds us to place ourselves in a place where God can bless us. Elijah proclaimed before King Ahab the judgment of God. And he expected what would happen would happen. You see, it's not our great faith that's important. It's how great our God is. Yes, we need faith, the size of a mustard seed, but with faith in a great God. Is your, do you have a great God today? Is he a great and mighty God? Great and mighty is the Lord our God. How great. And Elijah reminded Ahab that God was a living God. P.S. Baal's a dead God. Jezebel, your 850 prophets, have nothing against our God. What is there in your life What is there in my life that can only be explained on the basis that we are new people in Christ? What is there in your life that's such a reality that people look at that life and say, I don't know what it is, but there's something different in that life proclaiming to the world that God is alive. He was convinced of the reality of God. Secondly, he was convinced that he was a representative of God. The Lord God before whom I stand God performs His miracle of ministry, His miracle of reconciliation to people. You know, Jesus went to heaven. Before He went to heaven, as I said, He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go into all the world. And there's kind of a parable that's told that's kind of apocryphal, that when He got to heaven, the angels rejoiced that He was in heaven and and, uh, said, you did a great job there, Jesus. You did everything you're supposed to do. Uh, What's your plan for continuing the work? And he said, I've committed it to my disciples. And in this apocryphal story, the question is asked, what if they fail? What if they don't proclaim? He said, I have no other plan. The only plan God has to evangelize this world is us. There's no other plan. He doesn't have an alternate plan. There's no plan B out there. There's one plan. The people, God's people, There stands a man in the midst of the foes before that tyrant Ahab and he opens his mouth and boldly proclaims as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand there shall neither be dew nor rain according to my word empowered to make such an announcement because he was proclaiming this word. You see when we go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ it's not our word not even our comment on the word that's important It's his word that is powerful. It's his word that transforms lives. It's his truth that we proclaim. And James reminds us that Elijah Elijah was a man of like passions, but he heard the amen of heaven. We sang that this morning, didn't we? He heard the amen of heaven. And he went forward. Because God's word, God's promises are always yes and amen. The answer from above, amen. It's given into your hands. It's given into your hands to proclaim the Gospel in this hour. And so, followers of Christ, we need to believe the amen of God. What we've received in our hearts. The Word of God, the Word of His testimony. The power of Jesus Christ. Not one word of His promise will fail. I've known the Lord since 1954. I can do some quick math on that. Um, It's been a long time. He's never failed. Not one word of his promise has ever failed. As the Lord lives before whom I stand, Elijah said, and immediately heaven and earth changed because of the word. The one became as iron and the other as brass, and the dew of heaven was restrained for three and a half years. Elijah was convinced he was a representative of the living God. God employs human personality to accomplish his purpose. And God is looking for men and women who will become his representative. The fact is, God is asking for our availability. And there should be an excitement about waking up each day. No matter what stage of life you're in, there should be an excitement. Lord, what would you have me to do today? Lord, what is it you want me to do today? I'd like a five-year plan, I settle for a three-year plan, but I'll take your plan from me for today. What is it you want to do in me and through me to accomplish your purpose? Just one man in God's plan, in God's place, in God's purpose. Elijah was convinced he, of the reality of the living God, he was convinced he was a representative of the living God, and he was convinced of the resources that were available to him. James tells us that Elijah knew how to pray, that he prayed fervently. He prayed the scriptures. He prayed back God's word. When the living God promises something, he will perform it. God specializes in things thought impossible. The high places in our hearts need to be removed, idolatry rooted out, certainly. We need to be led into a place of heart purity, fiery love, separation from the world, poured out devotion to Christ, and expendable in the warfare of the kingdom. But above all, a desire to please him. And we need to return to biblical correctness. Not political correctness. And I think some of us have been, you know, our mouths just get closed. Because we want to be politically correct. We're afraid to offend. The word of God can be offensive. And what we talk about, it's not because we're morally superior to somebody else. It's because His Word is superior. His Word is above all. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will not pass away. God's Word will not change. It will not pass away. Whether we agree with it or not, it is the truth. It is His truth. It is His eternal truth. And we rightly cannot tell people about the gospel if we don't speak about sin and the consequences of sin. Convinced of the reality of God, convinced he was a representative of God, convinced of the resources of God and his word, Elijah became a crisis prophet, a prophet of deed rather than a prophet of words. In zeal and honor for the Lord God, he had gone to Samaria. He confronted King Ahab and there, in the presence of the king, declared with holy boldness, There shall be neither dew nor rain. And the whole country was soon filled with the report of this meeting. The word was spoken in Jehovah's name. The judgment came. The sun glared upon and parched the earth, scorched the land, bringing desolation and death. There's, a, there's more to the story than that, and I don't have time this morning. I was going to finish off the next few verses. Uh, but we know that Elijah is sent to the river Kereth. And I can just imagine if that was me. And I had stood before King Ahab and Jezebel and said, I'm locking heaven up <laughs> by the word of God. And then God says, go hide yourself. But, but Lord, don't you see what I just did for you and your kingdom? I stood before the king. And now you want me to hide myself? I'm thinking of incorporating. Palace ministries, perhaps, would be a good name. But I can almost hear his sandals walking toward Kareth at the word of the Lord. See, he obeyed the Lord. He knew things move, Times change, God's call changes. It may be this day, one thing. The next day, something else that God has for us. But he always leads us. And I'll tell you, he leads us in just the way we would want him to lead us if we knew what he knows. Whatever you're going through this morning, wherever you are in your life this morning, if you knew what God knew, you would, he knew. if you knew what God knows, you would ask him to lead you exactly the same way he's leading you. There'd be no difference. He goes to the, the river, he's fed by these. Unkosher animals, the, the ravens. Um, but we get down to the very end. I saw just want to move down to our last verse. And it happened after a while, the brook dried up. Why did the brook dry up? In case you can't put two and two together, the scriptures do it for us. Because he had prayed. Sometimes when you pray, brooks dry up. We pray for showers of blessing, but sometimes we get drying brooks. All part of God's plan. And when you begin to pray for God's people, begin to pray for revival, and begin to pray for spiritual renewal as we're praying here in this church, things are going to happen. They may not happen the way you want them to happen. And maybe you're sitting this morning by a drying brook. Maybe you're in loneliness of life. Uh, Maybe there's a sickness or something that's happening in your family. And things sometimes go from bad to worse when you pray. And they did here. God was working out a plan. And God's plan is not going to be thwarted. God's plan will not be thwarted. Because His Word will not be truncated in any way. There comes times of silence and waiting sometimes in our lives. And we're tempted to say, Lord... Didn't you lead me here? Wasn't this part of your plan? You told me to go to the river. And now look what's happening. Not the way I planned it. Maybe some of you are there this morning. It's not the way I planned it. It's not how I thought my life would turn out. It's not where I thought I would be at this point in life. Things aren't going the way I thought they should go. Has God given you the amen from heaven for your prayer? Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep going back to his word. Renewing, restoring, refreshing yourself. Why is all this happening to the servant? Because he prayed. Why is this happening in your life? Have you been praying? And maybe God's answering in a way that's different than you might have thought. But a way that's far more wonderful than you could ever expect. So if you're sitting by that drying brook this morning of loneliness, sickness, hurt by family and friends, misunderstood. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's just the process of aging, or your business or spiritual life. Keep praying. Keep trusting his word. Wait for the amen of God and move forward with that. Father, I want to thank you again for your word, for this opportunity to be able to gather as your people to bring worship and praise and glory and honor to you above all else, the King of the ages. Father, I pray that we might understand that you are the living God. There is none like you. And that, that we would be convinced, Lord, that we are your representatives in a lost and dying world, in a culture that's going down, spiraling downward very rapidly but we'd also be convinced of the resources that we have in your word and in the power and equipping of your Holy Spirit in Christ our Lord. Amen.